I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of tears. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello, welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt Brown and Stephen Murray. Hello. I'll give you a big sort of like later a wrestler. Oh, lovely. So I've just seen some some hot off the press robot news. And actually, this could well be the synopsis for many of the films that we have watched uh, in this series of 50s of shit robots. So so the sort of like the opening para is humanoid robots built around cutting edge AI brains promise shocking, disruptive change to labor markets. So there's two companies, OpenAI and Figure, who've joined the race to create humanoid robot workers. Wow. I mean, we should just like get in touch with them and tell them that they should just stop immediately well, because it's yeah. going to end badly. I Oddly mean, enough, the year before the film that we're going to watch, 1956, was the first assembly of a group of scientists to coordinate research... Uh, on the topic of artificial intelligence. John Wouldn't McCarthy, it? Marvin Minsky, Claude Shannon and Nathan Rochester all assembled at the Dartmoor College of Hanover, New Hampshire. Okay, so the film that we're looking at today from 1957 uh, is a Japanese film called The Mysterians, also known as Earth Defence Force. And this film is... Now, I'm going to say a word that I don't really know what it means, but you've said it a lot. We've said it a lot on this podcast. It's a kaiju film, isn't it? Yeah. What is a, what is kaiju? Uh, kaiju means strange beast. And it, it's a form of film that has gigantic creatures in it. Now, they can be referred to as kaijus, or it is the general name for gigantic monsters. Your Godzillas, your Mecha Godzillas, your Mothras... All, All of, of those. Yeah. It was used very recently in Pacific Rim because they were kaijus that fought against the Jaegers, which is German for hunter. Okay. And also I'm thinking of a film that's quite old now, but Cloverfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kaiju, I suppose, isn't it? That is a kaiju film. That definitely yeah. is a kaiju film. And am I right in thinking that these films are all post-Second World War? Yes. The kaijus? Yes. So all of the the kaiju films and stories came after the atomic bombs were dropped in 1945? As a direct response. Okay. A very direct response, and it's, it's quite... Because when Godzilla came over in an, a Western cut, in the West we kind of thought they were funny, they were cute, and, and but in Japan they were a direct response to those events. There's a, an article for NBC written by Kimi Yam in 2020. Uh, and he said, when the monster Godzilla or Gojira appeared before Japanese movie audience in 1954, many left the theatre in tears. The fictional creature, a giant dinosaur once undisturbed in the, the ocean, was depicted in the original film as having been aggravated by a hydrogen bomb. Its heavily furrowed skin and scales were imagined to resemble keloid scars from survivors of the two atomic bombs. So it was a very, it was kind of a serious response. Yeah, it feels like it is that in this film as well. Yeah, 
there's an awful lot we can we can chat about that but that article we shall link to the show notes yeah so just a quick synopsis of the miss miss i keep calling them the mystery ians <laughs> uh, <laughs> i keep calling them misterons from <laughs> captain scarlet <laughs> they are the mysterians so we are in japan in 19 it's 1957 it's sort of like present day it's essentially the earth is being is it comes under attack from an alien race who to demonstrate their their futuristic tech have sent this extraordinary massive robot mole that looks like it's wearing traditional japanese armor uh, to earth and it's basically the story the story is is the earth fighting back against the alien invaders yeah and to dig in more detail and also it feels like it's a film of thirds this i thought your first third is your kaiju third so the the this strange anteater like 100 foot monster appears and is dealt with well it destroys a village it does destroy quite a lot yeah the sort of second third is where we meet the aliens and then the last third it, which really is the most boring third of the movie, is 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 the Earth fighting back against the aliens. Um, so we we start in a, in a village in um, <laughs> in Japan where there's lots of dancing, and we meet a character called. I'm going I'm, and again apologies for pronunciation yeah, on this. We're going to butcher a lot of these, aren't we? Uh, but Roishi Shirashi is a character that we meet who's a, an astrophysicist. He's just cut. He's just ended his engagement, and he's acting very strangely. For the first sort of ten minutes, we sort of see the effects of the kaiju, but without seeing the kaiju, don't we? So there's a yeah. there's a forest fire that has obviously been been done by this kaiju. There's um, these earthquakes and these landslides that have been kind of done by by the kaiju as well. And and in one of the earthquakes, Shirashi disappears. And we we presume dead because all of the all of the people in the village are dead that were consumed by this landslide. But uh, Roishi has put together a report where he uh, he has noticed that there is a um, a strange planet called a Mysteroid uh, somewhere between Mars and Saturn. He's been studying it, but now he's disappeared. Uh, I was thinking early on as well about the fact that once again we've got scientists are the protagonists in this film, aren't they? Yeah. And then it made me think of um, a film that we've talked about a lot on this podcast already, the film from 1953, The War of the Worlds, and how in that, in that iteration, in the 53 iteration, the protagonists are scientists. They are. Useless. But, <laughs> yes, they are useless. But trying constantly trying to understand things and maybe helping us navigate our way through it as well a bit. But then in the, the Spielberg remake of War of the Worlds, Tom Cruise's character most definitely isn't a scientist, is he? No, he's a, he's a crane driver. So at what point... I wonder, I'm wondering what the point is where we shift from having scientists protagonists to having sort of like, you know, every person protagonists. I do do a lecture about uh, boffins. There is a point where boffins become the antagonist. Okay. We we suddenly lose faith in science, and suddenly mad scientists come along, and they they become the villains. They but start I mean, tinkering things with they shouldn't tinker with. Because I mean, basically, that it's that there's a sort of cabal of scientists in this film, aren't there? Who are all desperately trying to 
to work out what to do. And it seems like in terms of the power dynamic as well, they even trump um, the military, that they have superiority over the military. You know, if you imagine a film now, that would definitely not happen, would it? The military no. are sort of all-powerful. They do go rogue. They do go rogue. But anyway, in, in this film, it's the the scientists are the ones who are leading leading all the action, aren't they? Very much so, right at the forefront. Yeah. They so come up with an idea and within two days it's built. Yes, they do, don't they? <laughs> they do. So you've got so the scientists that we've been introduced to are uh, Shirashi and then Atumi, who is Shirashi's best friend, and a very handsome man, I thought. Yes, and he wears a hat. He does. <laughs> I mean, basically, he spends the last third of the film looking like Indiana Jones, doesn't he? He does. Um, so Atumi leads a team, and they are looking into what's causing all of these natural seeming disasters, um, and they find that it is uh, the kaiju. They find that it is a gigantic mechanoid that's like 100 feet tall. What is it? Is it this is a mole, isn't it? It does look like a mole, yeah. It looks like a robot chicken. Mole. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's very strange. It's got childbearing hips. <laughs> it does. It really does. Now, in terms, and it's it's a man in a suit, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. of these films were men in suits. Yeah. It does have a particular name, Tokusatsu. It's a Japanese term for live action film or television series that make heavy use of practical special effects. Right. From our point of view, it's sort of like the robot's done and dusted in the first 20 minutes, isn't it? Well, we're watching a westernised version and he does come back at the end of the film. Oh, does he? Yes. The same one or a different one? A different one. <gasps> Why did they cut that out? I don't know. Uh, we've, we've, you and I have watched a very sort of different version of the film. It's Did great. you not notice all the dubbing? Even yeah. when they were walking on on soil, they were still making clippity cloppity noises with their feet. I did notice the the dubbing. Yes, it's, yeah, the uh, foley was rather bad. Yeah, and also the um, the dubbing acting is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty poor, isn't it? So, what did you think of the robot? Uh, it was all right. Yeah, not too bad. I agree. It I think did we've seen an awful lot worse. Yes, films. we have. And, and also I thought that you talked about the special effects there. There are a lot of models in this film. Yeah. And I thought they were... I, I, I liked them. I loved them. I loved the uh, the airships. I yeah. thought they were great. Yeah. And I, I think the what it is, it does have a kind of enthusiastic honesty. Yeah. There's no... Sometimes you'll watch a film and you'll see some special effects and you'll think, I bet they were really embarrassed about that. <laughs> But not but this not one. Not this. No, yeah. they hell, bloody hell, they they throw everything at it. Yeah, they do, don't they? So the aliens appear and they have this this initial skirmish with tanks, and the, the the aliens win very very easily, and they sort of have this ray that melts the tanks. And I thought that 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 special effect was brilliant. The way I, that I they thought got that the was really good out. as well because they had several ways of. Sometimes the rays would would burst things into flames. Sometimes the rays would just make things disappear. But that one, I did like the melty ray. Yeah, I found out how they did it as well. They had the tank model tanks, and then they made a replica of the model in wax. Ah. And then they melted it, but they did it at high speed. They shot it at high speed so that they could then speed it up, and so it just looks like it's instant, instantly melting. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good as well. Yeah. What did you think of the Mysterians? 
<laughs> so the Mysterians, we meet the the aliens. So the kaiju is basically just sort of like a remote-controlled a way of the, the Mysterians showing how, how technologically advanced they are. And <laughs> the Mysterians are amazing. They, they've got this sort of domed headquarters and they... Uh, before you see any of the aliens, you hear their voice. <laughs> and so they say, we wish to avoid unnecessary warfare. warfare. We wish to negotiate terms with the following five persons. Kenjiro Adachi, Maso Noda, and they name all of the protagonists from the from the film pleasingly, um, who have to go inside the dome and and sort of negotiate with them. But they sound exactly exactly like the aliens from The Simpsons. Silence! We are travelers from a certain nearby ringed planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention. My name is Kang, and this is my sister Kodos. Hello. So the there's this little sort of tr- troop of five scientists who go inside the dome, and <laughs> there's this really funny moment where the voice, the alien voice, says, "Because of the extreme difference of temperature and atmospheric pressure within, we advise you to put on the special clothing you will find inside the entrance." And the special outfits are just massive capes. They are caves, and they don't look like they're fire retardant either. They look like they'll catch straight away. <laughs> and all the Mysterians are wearing them as well. Yeah. So the and my- they all look like Mexican wrestlers, don't they? I, well, Power Rangers was what I Power said. Rangers, that's what I thought as well. Yeah, like beaky were, Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> and also, so they've essentially got like a, like a crash helmet. They're people yeah. wearing sort of satin ABBA outfits, really, aren't they? And uh, yeah. <laughs> and helmets, motorcycle helmets, but you can see the person behind them. And then later on, they're completely sort of unmasked, and you see that they're essentially just Japanese actors. <laughs> but it's the, it's here that we start getting H bomb references. Yeah, basically the aliens, the mystery Ians, say that they <laughs> they <laughs> that they don't want war. They basically they want. Um, to use Earth as a base where they can do further space exploration. Oh, they want three miles and five women. That's right. They, <laughs> they want three, three miles of land um, to, in order to do their, have their base. But they also, because of nuclear war that has sort of half destroyed their species, they have a, a shortage of females to, to mate with on Mysterion. And so they want Earth women, and they've identified five. And yeah, it, and that's you, really weird. Yeah, and wouldn't you know it, one of them is Atumi's sister or his girlfriend or his something. Girlfriend his girlfriend and his sister, isn't it? <laughs> Take them both. Yeah. Um, now, this obviously has great resonance. It's an echo of, a, of another 50s film. Devil Girl from Mars. So they shouldn't have come to Earth. They should have just gone straight to Mars and they'd have been welcomed with very rubber-clad arms. Shortage of men on Mars in Devil Girl from Mars. Shortage of women on Mysterion, in the Mysterians. So 
that's the state of play. The the aliens say that they don't want to, they don't want any harm. They just want some uh, ladies for a romance, and they <laughs> they want to explore space. They say, and this with with massive irony, they they say this the following sentence whilst they're holding guns on Atumi. They say, "We Mysterians are pacifists till the end." <laughs> <laughs> They've already destroyed an entire village. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we we discover that Roishi Shirashi is actually still alive, and yes, has sort he of appears joined, on the television. Yeah, he's joined the Mysterians essentially because he just loves science, and the Mysterians are better at science than we are. So he's he's sort of like joined them. But eventually, we find out sort of through him that the Mystery Ians are. Um, Hell-bent on taking us over. They are. That's exactly what they want. They've been, they've been fibbing to us all along. So Earth attacks them. The Mysterians, like, kick our asses. But as you said, we've, we've, got, we've put a plan in action to create a... I can't think what it's called. What is the weapon that we're going to design? Oh, this... The... Um, it's a, it says it's a Markalite. light. Yeah. A Markalite flying uh, atomic heat projector. Yeah. And also, they one of the airships they they cover that in markalite, don't they? That's right. Yeah. So it's this strange new um, metal. Where have they got this from? Did we oh, find no out? No idea. No idea. No. But certainly, <laughs> it's not on the periodic table. No, no, not <laughs> on it? ours. No. So then, then we move into the last third of the film, which is essentially like this war between the Earth and the aliens. Um, and it, I felt it got a bit Thunderbirdsy here. Very. Didn't it? That's got, it's got to have been an influence on Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Yeah. It has to be. It got, was so so Thunderbirds. Yeah, all of these sort of weird rockets and flying machines that they've got. I have to say, I found this quite boring. This bit. Felt, I felt enjoyed like, it. Did you? I just thought it was too long. I thought it was about half an hour too long. This film. I reduced myself to a child and thought, what would a kid yeah. think watching it? Yeah, and I would have loved it. Would you? Yep. It's just, I can't, I can't do that. I just think to myself, what do I think about it now? <laughs> <laughs> the, so the, at the end, the, the, the Earth sort of prevails, thanks in part to this um, weapon that, that they've created, the Markalite flying atomic heat projector, but also <laughs> partly thanks to uh, Roishi uh, Sirashi, who sort of like realises that the aliens are uh, a naughty naughty aliens and so uh kind of like it's a trojan horse really isn't he and he starts along yeah, with the yeah. two he starts firing firing weapons inside the dome just at anything yeah but there are some aliens that do escape setting up the possibility of a mysterians too so one sort of thing i was interested in this idea of the bombs in hiroshima and nagasaki compelling this sort of cin- this type of cinema one of the things that the Mysterians say about the reason why they need women to sort of procreate with is because because of this nuclear war that's taken place on their planet, there are deformities in people. And as I was looking at the, like the physical effects, birth sort of defects, I suppose, mm. that were created by the, the two bombs in 1945. and Carried on for many years after. Yeah, absolutely. But it says that there were the most common defects seen at birth were cleft palates, cleft lips, club foots, added fingers or toes, uh, or a fusion of two or more fingers, of to- fingers or toes. So there was obviously 
an extraordinary amount of that sort of the genetic abnormality going on within Japan at this time as well. And I thought that was really interesting that that was reflected in the storyline. Yeah, and they also did mention that, you know, if you use a hydrogen bomb, then we'll use a hydrogen bomb. And it's almost then basically saying it's an illustration of mad, mutually assured destruction. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And, I mean, it's a war atrocity, isn't it? I mean, I know that uh, I sort of like get why why they thought it was necessary, but... Uh, I don't, frankly. No, you mean you? it's just an atrocity? An atrocity, especially since they they deployed two. Yeah. One was enough, but um, Emperor Hiroshita didn't capitulate. Or maybe they were in just shock. Mm. And then they dropped the second one, which uh, was an abomination. I think it's a blot on the American copybook. That is my opinion. Yeah. Extra- an extraordinary sort of moment in, in, in human history. Mm. But I thought, yeah, I thought that all of those references in the film were really interesting, not least because... It feels like that the message of the film is international cooperation. Because yes, that was the overall message. Yeah, because towards the end, that's when they get the weapons that, to defeat it by all gathering together. Yeah, there's a there's a um, there's a line in it where uh, one of the Japanese politicians says, "America and, Ru- and Russia will have to acknowledge that they they live you know they inhabit the same planet at some point." And the fact that at the end, the, the ending of the film, or certainly the version that we saw. You have the alien alien ships disappearing. They can't quite quite shoot down all of the alien ships, so some aliens have escaped, which again prompts one of the um, one of the Japanese officials to say, "The world will have to keep cooperating." Good message for young minds. Yeah, yeah, and look, <laughs> look what happened. <laughs> look how how much it was heeded. So we've got to really talk about Toho Studios, which is the studio that all these kaiju films came out of. Uh, It was founded in 1932, but this was a fertile ground for directors like Kinoshita, Ishiuro Honda and Kanito Shindo. But there was one particular director called Akira Kurosawa. I've heard of him! Ah, So Akira Kurosawa (laughs) brought out a film... In 1954, called uh, The Seven Samurai. <gasps> I've heard of that film! <laughs> Which was then remade as The Magnificent Seven, and then remade again by Roger Corman, who'd seen Star Wars and thought, I'll have a bit of that. And in 1980, he uh, made Battle... Well, he was the producer of Battle Beyond the Stars. Okay. And Akira Kurosawa made a film the year after The Mysterians called The Hidden Fortress. And this film's plot bears a striking similarity to A New Hope. And in that film, there's two characters called Tahi and Matashichi. Okay. And these two characters were the inspiration for R2-D2 and C-3PO. <gasps> so he wanted the film to be viewed through the eyes of two peasants. Right. Bicker and get each other and but the, the the Toho studio sort of directly influenced George Lucas. Yes, when he made C three PO and R two D two particular film, The Hidden Fortress. Okay, so I've got the got the plot. It tells the story of two peasants who agree to escort a man and a woman across enemy lines in return for gold, without knowing that he is a general and the woman is a princess. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What a brilliant connection. 
Okay, so we need to rate the robot. Do this every episode. Um, Apart from the ones we miss. Apart from the ones we miss. So we've got to rate the kaiju, the name of which is Mogira, a.k.a. the Mogra. Our benchmark for a great robot is seven. What do you think, Stephen Murray? How would you rate this bot? Well, it's our first kaiju. And yeah. It is very different. Yeah, it is. Very unusual. It yeah. walks, fires uh, beams out of its eyes. Yeah. It can burrow under the ground. Yeah. And it I, gets I killed very easily. Yeah, I'd say that is a slight sort of mark against it. I'd say it looks great. I really like yeah. the look of it. And I thought that the, the filmmakers did a really good job with the scale and the way it interacts with models and the special effects, apart from its, its eye ray, which I thought was not very good. It was like a, a smudge blobby. on the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone tried to wipe it off. Yeah. So what are you going to give it? Five. Okay. I'm, I was going to give it six. Oh, okay. Oh, you are generous, you are. Okay, five so... Five and a half. So average score, five and a half. Um, so it's 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 getting there, mm. but it hasn't hasn't crossed our threshold. No, I, I think they, they dispatched it quite early. They didn't really utilise it. Okay. All right, so that is it. That's a five and a half out of ten. It's still shit, but not <laughs> that shit. No, 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 no. Uh, so look, ch- check out the show notes of this episode, I think there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to be adding, um, which will hopefully give you a, a, a rounder view of some of the things that we've been talking about in this episode. Check out the back episodes, particularly our Forbidden Planet episode, if you missed that. It's very good. I like that an awful lot. Um, and have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next Monday, or maybe not if you're binging this in the year 3000. Then, uh, well, we'll be long dead, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) We won't be making any more episodes. Unless, unless Unless. we create robot (laughs) uzzies. Right, so until next time, be safe. And if you can't be good, be careful. And if you can't be careful, get a pram. (laughs) Another one of my mother's. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. We Mysterians are pacifists to the head.